going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for movies that have been rebooted, remade, sequelized, adapted, or otherwise not the first in its story. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And this week, the weekend of November 5th, we might either be talking about Thor 4, Spider-Man 3, or Eternals because of how many times these have moved. That's the parallel universe we're running in there's a variant somewhere talking about jane foster's thor and another variant either excited or disappointed by which spider-man may or may not have appeared in that movie and then there's <laughs> us talking about the eternals terrence what did you think about this movie um it's funny because i this is I, it's been a while since i've had like no excitement at all going into a Marvel film. Um, I was just like, ah, yeah. I kept for actually even forgetting that I had tickets to go to this. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That is this weekend. And so I went in with low expectations. And I don't really, I didn't pay attention to the, the, the another Rotten Tomatoes film before I went in. It was pretty low. And I was like, ah, whatever. I don't look at them because the, they've been off from how I feel about stuff before. Uh, so I went in completely just one level. And I walked out like, oh, this was a really, really well done film. Um, I'm a sci-fi nut. I like that heady sci-fi stuff, like Dune would, Dune would be in that category, Star Trek. So this feels the most sci-fi epic, I think, of anything that Marvel has ever had. Like, I, I know Thor falls into the sci-fi category, but it's like sci-fi action, sci-fi fantasy. This feels like one of those, we're going to get under the hood of why humanity is the way they are, sci-fi epics. And that's right in my wheelhouse. Like, I dig that. Um, and so anytime you start dealing with gods and questioning why what they should and should not have their hand in is fascinating to me and I I do have some issues but overall I thought this was a real really good time and I love how it felt both thematically and the way that it looked unlike anything that has ever existed in the MCU before and for me that felt refreshing for the first time I think probably since uh Winter Soldier or that I felt like was a complete jarring change from whatever we had gotten previously from the MCU. I completely agree. So this is, we're now so far into the comic book mythology and lore and stories and things that I love and grew up with and watched as cartoons and went to the comic store to buy and played as video games and have watched the MCU since I was in college until my early thirties. And this is now, I think the first time that I've gone I don't know anything about this. And that both made me less excited than I am for say a Spider-Man No Way Home, Mm -hmm. but more excited than I am for most other things. Because normally when the MCU and Marvel take risks and do something new and take a smaller property that a lot of people don't know about unless you really are a deep Marvel fan is when I think we really get something unique and special. And we took that, this this 1976 comic from Jack Kirby with gorgeous illustrations and dealing with creationism and the start of life, the, the beginning of the Marvel universe, and adapted that into what I feel like is Marvel's first epic, I guess is the word. If we're always doing different genres in movies, this I feel like is the first epic, something more akin to Lord of the Rings or Dune mm-hmm. in the size and scope and narrative and world building. We do a lot of world building in the MCU in the context of who is S.H.I.E.L.D. and what are the Infinity Stones and where does Thanos come from and who are the Guardians and 
it's almost more character building. I felt like this was one of the first real examples of like, here's why this universe exists. Here's who these people are. Here's why they got sent. And here are the rules beyond it being grounded in our own reality. This really right. kind of gave you something in a similar way that other, a book that would have like a bibliography in the back of it that you'd have to keep checking and looking back at. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, this is as close to the Marvel universe as we're going to get. And I think when you get a director like Chloe Zhao, who in Nomadland showed us that she can take all of these characters and build their agency and their motivations quickly, concisely, and still drive a story forward, this was the right story for her to adapt. Because this isn't a Avengers movie where we met everybody in their own film and threw them in. This isn't like a Guardians movie where we're sort of quickly establishing characters. We are getting long histories of every single one of the Eternals and every single one of them and building their own agencies and motivations around it. And that's the kind of stuff that I eat with a spoon. And I think you're right. This is the first science fiction, the way like Star Trek is sci-fi and Star Wars is like science fantasy and adventure. Mm -hmm. This is almost like their Star Trek to their Star Wars being their guardians of the galaxy. Correct. We're not which not to say either of those are not good movies. No, but I enjoy I, both. Right. Yeah, they're, they're great. But yeah. you know, if you really want to like shove your glasses up your nose and sit in a dark comic book store and be like, but it's not science fiction, this is the example you go with. Yeah. And in that, you got some of the coolest scope that you've seen in it. The movie, for those who have not seen it and are for some reason listening to our analysis follows uh, we come with a title crawl like it's star wars that really gets into the beginning of the universe yeah. these people were created they were sent to earth to fight something called the deviants who just want to destroy everything and then they're just going to chill on the planet we're not going to interfere with anything we could you know we could help solve every problem but we're not we then kind of catch up with them in the modern times. They're now spread across throughout the earth because of one mission that went poorly where they disagreed and they've gone their separate ways. And like any other good team movie, not unlike the animated TMNT 2000s movie, we got to get the band back Select together. Select them all, yeah. <laughs> the deviants are back and it's time to save the world. And then there are twists and turns that we won't get into. But within that... You get to see different eras of history that we haven't seen in the MCU, which I loved. The texture kept changing. It felt very, somebody said it to me about Age of Ultron when that first came out, where what they liked was it wasn't just during the day in New York like the Avengers was. It had a globe-trotting feel, and every continent and location had its own vibe. And this had that, everything had its own like unique feel. The color palette was different. We kept seeing these different people interacting with these worlds, people who build technology dealing with Hiroshima. We see people who can control people's thoughts, dealing with the idea of war and poverty. And how if he just got in their minds, he could end all their conflicts. All. Yeah. And we see people who have gone on to uh, make generations of movies with Kumail Nagiani <laughs> and this documentary. And and in that, you get so many different sides of the Marvel Universe, and I thought each one was fantastic and unique and, and never really lost sight of its goal. No. They followed one main character, and everybody's agency was clear. And when you take the risk to take some of these people off the board, have some of their motivations turn out to be less altruistic than others, 
you're not really doing the same balancing act that you always do because everybody's kind of changing where they are and being introduced at different times. Where I think it would have been really easy to be like, there's too many players on the board. We're going to too many times. Yeah, like I, I, th there's a very specific style that this film has in the way that it establishes these characters. Right? The first hour and a half can be jarring for folks who are not sort of, it's not the prototypical, we're just going to go from front to back. And there's a lot of flash forwards to flashbacks or flash forwards to flashbacks. Once you get the rhythm, it works. Um, it does take a minute to get into it, but I, it didn't bother me. But I know there are some people that like, I couldn't quite catch on to the flick at the very beginning. Uh, I dug that. I think that's a cool way to, keep the story going, but also taking moments to like, this is why this character is important. This is why this is that way. This is why they split up. Um, I do know that like, look, there are a lot of characters in this movie and I think they handled them well. And I do agree that because they all don't think the same way and they come in and it makes sense that they come in and out of the story the way they do because of the way that they feel about whatever is happening. I will say though, I think that there's, uh, it, it becomes hard because the, the lead two are Icarus and, and Cersei, that it becomes hard sometimes if you if you become attached to other characters, that when they are gone, you're like, oh, the character that I really was digging is, is not here for about a good 50 minutes of this movie. And it might be because you relate to them because you're gay, it might be because you relate to them because you're black, it might be related to because you're 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 deaf. But that character just gone for a while. And that that's where it becomes kind of hard. Like, ah, I get why some people might have attached Druid. I absolutely love like everything that a guy I was like I agree with him he is correct <laughs> um but that is hard when it's you as a fan especially if you don't know these characters you finally attach onto something and they're like oh crap they're gone yeah and I I think you know we're Marvel and Disney keep getting better at diversity in certain ways I think this is a much better representation for the LGBTQI community than say the uh in-game directors sitting at a table yeah, and be like, that. That we count. cry over <laughs> salad. Or, yeah. you know, these two people getting a quick smooch in Rise of Skywalker. We have a, a full character who can just be, he has a family, he has a partner, mm -hmm. he has agency in the story, he's important to the plot. And it, it's very natural and it feels right. part of the world. And I think that is the goal. And I loved it. His character was great. Yeah. The family was great. Scene this lit the whole thing through the eyes of this child of, of who loves superman and we'll get to the the dc connection but even kind yes. of having a kid who's idealizing a character like that and then their father gets to go and become this hero is just such a cool concept to me too uh so i think you're right like seeing some of that the way we handled our our, our deaf character and actress also gave a lot of good weight and really showed both that performer's skill and I think Chloe Zhao's skill because you you never struggled to understand what they were communicating. You always right. understood who that character was, what they wanted, their relationships with the rest of the Eternals and why they were doing the things they were doing. And those scenes with her and Druig together were just so right. powerful and interesting. Yeah, really those good. felt more intimate than the weird half-angled sex scene that we got. Such a weird way to do that. Like I, I, my brain, part of my brain was like, okay, cool. Yes, we finally, because we've been sitting this whole time. I'm like, yeah, they don't have, they don't have sex in this. Other than Tony halfway doing the first two Iron Man before they became Disney, they've wiped that off the map. And this is the first time we're like, here we are. But it is shot in a way that's like, okay, so we're just their torso humping. What is going on? This is weird. 
but it is still a jump and a very different approach than I think anything that they've ever done with the rest of the MCU. So I was like, all right, kudos to that. This does feel like a more adult and more grown up film overall. Um, so that part was cool. And like you said at the, a, a while ago, they take chances while they remove characters that you're like, hey, I thought I was here to see them, but I'm not. <laughs> kudos to I having mean, the balls to just take people off the board that I didn't see coming. So quickly, and then a first movie, and characters that you liked, everybody yeah. we lost, I was like, oh, but no, <laughs> he was so dope. Why would, yeah. we, why would we do that? So like, yeah. And I think that also helps the agency of what could have been a very bland villain, because you get this one-on-one -on -one fight with them and, and Angelina Jolie, and it suddenly is, she's not fighting this alien, it's the embodiment of somebody that she cared about, and you're like, oh, this is Which great. Which power to it, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, all of that was fantastic, but we do get our first glimpse of what they've done in the comics with DC and Marvel flirting with each other, of like in, in this earth, Batman and Superman exist, exist. which, doesn't bother me. I like it. I think it's fun. I think especially to have it in this movie that we know Chloe Zhao has been influenced by Man of Steel. She said that Zack Snyder's way of handling that mythology gave her some of the inspiration of how to handle this mm -hmm. mythology. So it makes sense that it's there as a nod. It's funny, though, because in the Marvel movies, we've seen like movie posters for people. We've seen like, oh, you know, Nathan Fillion's going to play Tony Stark in the Steve Jobs type movie. We've, like, we've played with their celebrityism enough. So I'm now like, are there weird conversations in the MCU where they're like, I don't know, this Wonder Woman that I'm reading about, she could fight Thor. Like, are we- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. To, I, I don't know where the level or where the, that break comes in. Like, how far can we take this? It's interesting, but I, I, I definitely got a chuckle. I was like, oh, that's cool. And I know that Chloe's both a fan of Zach and Chris Nolan. So she definitely loves them. And that was just their, her nod. Uh, and it's also cool that clearly Kevin Feige was like, yeah, that's fine. I, I also appreciate those films. So keep that in. I well, don't, I'm I mean, not removing that. Right. We've talked about it a lot, but whenever they do these movies, they go and they watch the old 77 Superman movie and right. get, that's the blueprint. Like that, that's the, yeah. all of these movies come from that, like baked it. It's in their DNA. So it's, it's fun seeing the companies acknowledge that they are, one really wouldn't work as well without the other. They're always going to kind of be like picking up some steps and stones from one another. And now we have this fun, like Alfred to bat. And the first time it happened, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't so they mentioned Superman. I was like, oh, we're just like. And like, and they, and they had like a three beat joke and I was like, oh, you're just in it. Like it wasn't a throwaway because the Alfred line was sort of a throwaway. This one was like, nope, in case you didn't know we, what we were talking about before, we're really in this now. I wonder if they're still called DC Comics. I don't know. Wow. It almost makes sense. I'm like, I'm sure that Steve Rogers was like, you don't get to use my life rights to make a film. And so they were like, we got to think of somebody else. Then. Yeah. Some of these guys aren't playing ball. They're not, they can't get Bucky to sign off on a movie. So we're going to make our own superheroes. Exactly. Um, I think it tracks. I think one of my, outside of Druid, who I just love, the character that I think I, I stuck with the most because I just felt bad for them was, was Sprite. Like she, her story, she's the one character who's not a lead. <laughs> out of the, the main two that has a beginning middle and end and you kind of understand why she is the way she she feels uh because unlike everybody else she's stuck at that age when they've been here for thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of years and she's always like a child so she's always had to be in this form which 
puts her in a, a, a bubble that she can't do a lot of the things that everybody else does. No one's going to love her the way that they love Cersei. No one's going to even pay attention to her because she looks like a kid. That That's hard. And it plays. Yeah, I think that she kind of made the story work on a more thematic level because it doesn't feel very... It has kind of a, a very Disney evergreen theme. And when we get into the like, well, why are we doing the Eternals now outside of like, well, we've done everybody else. It's time <laughs> to get some people. We got to get some new stuff on the board. We, yeah. we, we probably have to get into the beginning of the universe because we've seen the end of it with Kang. So it only makes sense to bookend it. But when you start kind of getting into the themes and the connecting of it today, you start looking at this very, this very Disney, very evergreen theme of follow your heart. That seems to be the like the the basis here and the conflict of well, mm -hmm. when you can't do it because this giant celestial god that looks great in IMAX has insisted you don't, and you now have to watch your world burn so that another world can start and all of these things. But like you have feelings and you have to do it. And I'm like, oh well, yeah, it's very like kind of very guardians where we were like friendship at the end and i yeah. get why these are here these are evergreen ideas that work for families and kids and, and adults and everybody in between that are always important stories and important ideologies to have but when you have all these people on the board and you say follow your heart you start to see it through such a unique lens and that some of them are going well following my heart means we stop the celestial and we turn mm -hmm. it to ice and fix the polar ice cap problem I guess. Yeah. Some of them are going, I need to step away from the team and have my weird little commune of people that I control. And then <laughs> you have Sprite, whose whole thing is like, I want, you have you have Sprite, Kumail Nagiani's character, and the main person who is maybe not the villain, but who knows, spoiler <laughs> time. Uh, all three of them have a very different point of view in that we have to let the universe do what the universe does, which is blow up and restart and we'll find each other again and we will learn about each other again and we will do it but maybe this time sprite can grow up and have a life yeah and it's a very sad and awesome villain motivation and it's a great turning point in the movie and watching icarus even like fly into the sun and and change his mind and, and see all these things and it's crazy when he as soon as it, as soon as he gets sort of the look i'm like i know where he's going and this is this is sad this is very sad, but but moving. Um, Kingo Kamal's character just saying like, yeah, uh, I don't. I agree with. I him. agree with him, but I'm also not going to fight you for it. So I'm just going to sit this one out and let things play out the way they are. Was one of the most truthful things that I've ever seen in the movie. Like, nah, guys, I'm out. I don't want to fight either of you, but uh, I'll see you on the other side. Well, and it was interesting because it suddenly took a very a, a theme that we have seen a lot and made it very original. Because normally when we do that follow your heart, we're all unified, we're all on the same team, and we're all going to go fight the bad guy, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And by doing it through each character, you do get these very nuanced, complicated moments that I think do resonate more in the world today of like, this is kind of very real. I've seen a lot of people high school friends, college friends, when your group starts to break up a little bit and people are like, ah, you know what? Like, I, I just don't see eye to eye on, with you on this. And it's, I'm either going to argue with you or I'm going to leave or I'm going to agree with this person because I might be able to get something else. And no one's really right and no one's really wrong. And of course people are sort of wrong because like, you know, we don't want the earth to blow up. <laughs> 
but it is such a weird kind of cosmic idea of like, but when we decide to save this planet, there are now other lives that we are kind of killing before you get into these very weird ideas of creationism and life and death and rebirth that people are always debating about and it, you do sort of get this weird idea of like well what it what even is it and it turns out that it's all just like puppeteered by this one creature who designed both the heroes and the and villains the because it's also not perfect where well, you start getting into some very biblical type things when you do when you get into that you're like yeah yeah he, he made heaven and hell and all this like oh this is this is nuts. I dig this, but this is nuts. And, and you're like, I, I'm putting the good people on board. I'm putting the bad people on the board. And you guys have to fight that out because creationism, this needs to, this cycle still needs to continue. And you have to, you have your roles to go through. And you're always like, well, what if I went left instead of going right? Something like Matrix always works for us. It's like, well, what if I don't take that? Or what if I do this well, instead? Yeah, you get into kind of the idea of the Matrix Reloaded that if you take out all the crazy vocabulary from the architect, it essentially boils down to choice versus choicelessness. And the idea of like the cycle can keep going or no. And I think we've even seen in our own history, when you look at the Eternals of all these places that they're going back in time of when they could have changed it, it's also moments where somebody got up and was like, hey, fuck the system. this is broken and I'm going to go left and we're going to change it. Right. And this is just on such a larger scale that you, you can, you can connect this to almost whatever you want to through that version of it. If it's any of the thousands of things going on in 2021 and 2020, when you're like, Oh no, we all see things differently, but yours is hurting people. So we have to stop it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like, Oh no. Like it it can fit into whatever, because this, this type of thing where everybody's, feels like everything should be one way, you're going to have people on the other side for no matter what conversation you're talking about. Whatever you're talking about, that's there's always going to be three parts to that. Uh, and that's what's fascinating and good and to boy. actually like see and play. But the whole movie isn't that heavy and weighty. There is also some of the, I think, coolest action that we've seen Dude. in just one-on-one battles. And like, so I love the one-on-one like hand-to-hand stuff that Civil War and like the Russo's do with that stuff. But when you start dealing with gods, I think this is some of the best like superhero fighting sequences that I have ever seen. That stuff that happens in the jungle with Icarus and the, the Deviant with the, the late, I was like, what is going on? This is glorious. This is the best speedster we've seen. Oh, hand we're down. not just we're not just having her run around to like save whatever. We're not doing like a bunch of time travel multiverse stuff. We're really seeing what like when you're that right. fast, you can go toe to toe with with the like some guy. of the strongest person. Like, yeah, she was Icarus was getting the business. Like, I was like, this is impressive because you don't normally get these speeches usually get considered to be the weak weak link other than just running. Even though they're really people. the most overpowered character Open. on the board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a reason that they always have to be like the flash has to save somebody yeah because otherwise you just win a part of me was like well why isn't she just running to the volcano (laughs) there's a lot we could do here yeah yeah Uh, no it plays really well it's fun watching him lock Icarus down with his tech that he's creating was also just like, oh, this is so fun. Like, these are some of the coolest things. Yeah. I really thought they were going to take him off the board, too. I was like, Icarus is going to break out, and he's going to shoot that guy right through the chest, and it's going to break me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's where, at that point, they had taken so many people off the board, they're like, I don't know who's going to remain. 
Like that's where, and that actually became. Oh, good. I thought Angelina Jolie was going to get iced. Yeah, I yeah. thought I like I didn't, you know, when she's in that cave with Eros, and she like, makes those blades behind her back and cuts herself free and just starts giving him the business. I was like, this is some of the coolest stuff. Her yeah. characters also, we haven't talked that about that a lot, but that's another very, I think, timely situation of like everybody thinks that this is a mental illness, but really if we sit down and work on it yeah i was like yeah this is also how I mean, we've dealt with it for a while like they're just what? broken it's like I'm, no they just need help i'm a sucker for love stories and and, and heartfelt and humanity type stuff so like giggle mess just saying like yo i'm gonna take care of you like don't kill her i don't wipe her brain i will just watch over her for all this time and she's and she just asked the question like well why did you why did you do that he's like because because i love you like I, I was like oh this is this is amazing. And it wasn't like love and like we were in a relationship. It was just like, I just genuinely care about you. And I want, and I don't want you to forget all the stuff that we've done together. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. It was also interesting that that's like a known problem that the Eternals have. Right. Like they're like, oh, I thought like mad brain or whatever they call it, which is just the worst thing you could possibly <laughs> call it. Um, I was like, oh, this implies that like all these other Eternals that they're going to go try to find are also having Someone, those, like past life right. memories. Their set is going to have somebody in there who also has this mad brain. Yeah. Like this is crazy. Because it also isn't like they're restarting time. It's planet to planet. Mm -hmm. That was also the thing where I was like, oh yeah, this isn't some like Kang shit. No. This is they're, like they're going to one universe, up, put you over there. Changing, yeah, going from planet to planet, which is uh which is fascinating, which leads to a world that like these could go on for quite some time because like the galaxy doesn't stop. Well, yeah, the idea now that like you know, you get into the post-credit scenes which like, you know, big spoilers that Variety didn't feel like posting about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but you you meet Eros and Star Fox, the the Eternal of Titan, the brother of Thanos. Pip, a great Pip, character from the comics. Pip, I've never seen post-credit sequences for one film put like essentially four characters on the board, but this one, this, this film does. And I, was like, oh, that's... I mean, technically Nick Fury did. <laughs> that's true. It's true. But I mean, Pip, Pip the Troll now with uh, Pat Oswalt. My brain broke for the longest. I was like, I can't picture the voice. Like I couldn't, I couldn't quite catch it. I thought it was Seth Rogen. I did too. I did too. Yeah, because um, the person also was like, no, Patton Oswald is Modoc in the Hulu Modoc. Right, like, we're not going to give him everything. We can't give him all of these, right? Um, I mean, you can. He's wonderful. <laughs> let's give him everything and take everything away from Chris Pratt. With Chris Pratt, yeah, like let's give Chris <laughs> Pratt less stuff to do. And then I had already like for the other post credit sequence, I feel like it was known that Kit Harrington was playing Black Knight, but somehow I had forgotten because he was so not important to this barely in the film. movie. Yeah, that I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that was a thing. But then hearing the voice that I caught immediately, but I was like, there's no way in hell that that voice is attached to what I think it is. And they're like, no, that is 100% Mahershala Ali's blade. I'm like, well, shit, we are in it now. Which is interesting because I was like, well, you could just show us, but maybe it's not ready to be shown. Right. Maybe they thought it was a little too similar to Nick Fury showing up at the end of Iron Man, but yeah, I want to see Blade. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, you're right. We've put a lot of like heavy lifting on the board, which... You know, I think leads to a lot of questions of like, are we going to get an Eternals 2 or is the next one going to be like a Star Fox movie right. and follow these characters while they are, is the band broken up for a while? Like, yeah, what are we going to do? The way this ends, you have someone to ship 
you have a celestial do the coldest thing that I've ever seen in my life. He's like, I'm going to rip all of you guys out of earth. Y'all effed up everything. So because y'all effed up everything, I'm just disbanding. Every I was like, wait, what is going on? Well, I'm also curious if we're really thinking far ahead, is this too like similar to a Galactus where he's now going to come back and judge? I feel like that's the only way you can sort of take that character because as big as it is, you've now already sort of conditioned the audience to explain Galactus existing the way that he should in film form through this. I was like, well, that makes the most sense for this, right? So it was like, are we going to now fight this giant celestial and then fight a giant Galactus? <laughs> are we, I'm here for that, but yeah. it, that's an interesting kind of thing, I think, to deal with in it. And then, yeah, we have the Black Knight coming. We have Blade coming. So we've now... You know, the train's not positive seeds, yeah. Like it's gone now. We're we're in it. My look, theater, a... my theater, even though I feel like because of the world that we're in was known, my theater still lost their damn mind with the Harry Styles reveal. Like they went, they lost their oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> he looked great. He did, he looked just like him. And, awesome. and being the womanizer that he is, and like throwing that line to thing, I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is. I like this. This all works. These hand-painted Eternal suits are just so yeah. cool. Really and when he nice. showed up, I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, that's all great. But, you know, it, it's interesting because I feel like this is a big departure from the MCU in a lot of the ways we've already talked about. But it's still, you know, once Pip the Troll is Pat Oswald shows up and Kumail's documentarian and Kit Harrington in the beginning, we still have that, like, Marvel flair and comedy it's in there. and fun. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, it's cool because I think we need to kind of get used to this idea. I feel like the, we are now in this phase four of it. We've we've had four TV shows, Black Widow and Shang-Chi, which were both very MCU movies. And I mm -hmm. think now it's time to prepare for No Way Home being like way different in ways that I don't even think we're fully expecting it to be. And uh, Doctor Strange 2's Multiverse of Madness also being a big being departure. Yeah. Blades, I think we're really going to start as we grow more and more of these characters getting further and further away from the, the blueprint that's made it work so far. And I think that's partly why this one is having such a tough time with the tomato critics. Because I walked out of that movie and I was like, uh, 56, are y'all, like, what movie did you see that I did not see? And, and it, it's a weird thing that you keep seeing all these articles and like, easily the, the, the worst film in MCU. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. I've seen Thor The Dark World and I've seen like Iron Man too. Like I, I, I don't, there's no way in the world that anything that I just walked out of the theater on would ever, I could ever consider to be the worst thing that the MCU has, has put out. So I, I, I don't know where that disconnect other than you're saying, like, like you said, this is very different than what we have, been accustomed to or conditioned to. And I think Marvel has gotten in their own way a little bit in conditioning that all these films, you could kind of swap skins for a, a most of them. And it's literally the exact same thing. This one feels a little like, oh wait, what is this? Cause my brain is not ready for what you've just given me. Yeah. I mean, luckily numbers are meaningless and Rotten Tomatoes only exists for Twitter to have arguments. Correct. And so like, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. Critics have a job to do. They criticize the movie. They saw what they saw. They wrote about it the way they write about it. How they I'm, not here to, yeah. I'm not here to be like, the critics are wrong because nobody, it's a subjective piece of art and nobody is wrong. It is. Um, 
but I was very surprised. And I think a lot of it is, this is just so different from what we've seen Marvel do. And it makes me wonder if we're going to start seeing more lower tomato scores as like, even, you know, Ghostbusters is kind of getting the business right now with a lot of this, like, oh, it's so fan service. It's the nostalgia of the original, yeah, that type of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, like, but that's also what I want. I I don't know. And I feel like that's what Spider-Man 3 No Way Home is about to get hit with too. That a lot of people are going to be like, oh, and then it just gets so It becomes everything that we've always wanted for, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, I kind of want to get, like, you know, jerk me off a little bit here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Doing this a long time. Especially, like, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into it when we get into that, but something like Ghostbusters, you're like, yeah, like, it's been 20-something years. Like, give them a taste of what they remember, because we haven't had that in a while. I think that's a part of it, but I think Marvel has enough properties in play or about to be in play. There's plenty enough plates that they can kind of satiate everybody's sort of appetite. You're not, I think what has happened is that everybody has had these things where everything has sort of been for everyone. I would not be mind if Marvel started making like, hey, this is going to be for the sci-fi crowd. This is going to be for that horror crowd. This is more for that crowd. Well, I think well, that's what we're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, like Is that's that kind of what I want. And I'm and I'm okay with that. And I think if we can get away from everything being quote unquote a four quarter before the entire general audience type of film, then I, I, that might be the better thing for the MCU to sustain long, even it's, more longevity. It's the only way that it can grow. Like how, yeah. how, how many times can we do an origin story like Iron Man or Captain America or the first Thor or the Incredible Hulk? Mm-hmm. I guess forever because we've been doing the hero journey since <laughs> right. the first Star Wars movie and before that and in, yeah. in Dune and everywhere else like I guess the answer to that I guess the answer is forever is always. and always right. uh, but I think this is really the only way that something this big as people you know have speculated since the first Avengers movie of like well, when is it going to stop and mm-hmm. it's like well you know we've now been doing it for a third of my life so it's yeah. probably it's not. A, it's it's um, now a genre of film. I think we can just go ahead and call it what it is. Yeah. The only way to keep doing that is stuff like WandaVision, is stuff like The Eternals, is stuff like Loki, glad is you brought, stuff like Blade. I'm glad you brought up WandaVision because I feel like if WandaVision was done as it is, put together and in film form, those Rotten Tomato scores that Eternals gets would be the exact same for WandaVision because it's so jarringly different, but we was fed to them in a different medium. It was fed to them in the television medium. So if they kind of adjust to it, that was a film i don't know if the response would have been as heavy as good no. so different yeah how could you have even done that you would have had to have picked three three sitcoms. correct um, um but I, I i still it seems like i love it when they do this because it's rare that they do this marvel seems to already be like we're bringing these guys back because we had like maybe they even had a feeling that this was going to be sort of jarring to everybody else but the very end was like no the eternals will return I don't give a damn what you people are talking about. The Eternals are coming back. We may not do another film, but they will be back. Deal with it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They better be, because they're awesome. All of these characters, I just immediately fell in love with. Yeah. And I just want Chloe Zhao to have all of the money and opportunities and all of the Marvel. (laughs) Exactly. I I want her to protect her and give her everything. (laughs) Right. I was like, this looks so tangibly different. And that's really what I want. Because I have been seeing these movies forever. And every time we do something different, I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. I yeah. didn't know we could do this. Like, I, And we've now done that so many times. I feel like I'm constantly being like, I had no idea we could even do this with this genre. But that's good. Mm-hmm. Because the same way that the horror genre has to grow by 
including more diversity and being more inclusive, doing subgenres, figuring out what makes people afraid today, getting into some other stuff beyond slashers and traps and whatever right. other pratfalls it has is the only way that we keep going. That's something cool. Yeah. Every, you know, whenever you talk about screenwriting, directing, art classes, they teach you rules and somebody's always like, but Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Jaws or all these examples. And it's like, well, yes, those are the ones that took the risks, mm -hmm. but you can't take those risks. You can't break the rules until you know the rules. Right. And this is a Marvel movie that broke a lot of the rules, but like, I think Kevin knows the rules. <laughs> He's, he's, he's well-established with those rules, yes. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's good. We're sitting at a 71 million. Clearly, you know, we're right in line with Shang-Chi. We're still higher than a lot of stuff that came out in the pandemic that we're still in. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with any Monday morning nonsense tomorrow. No, like, oh, this is the like, lowest. Did the Eternals not do well because fail? we're tired? I, oh, no, it didn't. It's it, 80 something percent of Rotten Tomatoes from audiences. Yeah. It's the talk of the town. Everyone's it made more money than most movies that came out. Marvel Correct. doesn't even, they're not even competing with your Last Night in Soho's and your Antlers. No. They, they're, they're playing golf now. Right. They don't care as long as they're doing better than themselves or as average. Correct. As they're themselves. playing in their own wheelhouse. Yeah. It's um, and it's also a three-hour movie. We talk about this with no time to die in Venom. Exactly. There's not as many fucking places to go to see yep. it. Exactly. You only got so many show times. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't see like it's their next considering uh, challenge will probably be Ghostbusters, but that's they still have two weeks for that. So like next week they kind of have it to themselves again so it'll be interesting to see how this how this does long it'll term. be you know i think ghostbusters is currently on track for somewhere in the 40s and mm -hmm. i think <sighs> i love the first ghostbusters movie i well. think there are people you're a bigger fan of it than i am so i will say like i think there are people on your level yeah. who are like this movie is gonna blow up and then i think there's me that's like i think a lot of us are tired <laughs> yeah i think a lot and then of i think there's the other people <laughs> Yeah, no, there, there's a very interesting dichotomy there. I think, yes, it means far more to me and I, my people will blow up for it. But yes, you're correct that there are people who don't have nearly as much connection to that, that lore. Uh, and I have to think about it like that lore hit a window. It was like those first two movies in that original animated series all happened in my childhood. And from that point on, other than the video game and then the movie that was not well received with, with the ladies, it sort of has fizzled out. It's not like the turtles or like Power Rangers was this, so sort of always maintained or sort of stayed around. So, uh, and they've been trying to get this one off the ground. So yeah, I do think I look at this and those numbers for me will be higher, but I don't think it's going to be a universal, unless the movie is well received, then that changes it. It could start. Right. It could It'll have be legs. interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that it's not as evergreen as some of those other 80s franchises that you mentioned or 90s franchises mm -hmm. that you mentioned, but I don't know. I think a turtles is great. I think we need to yeah. keep changing up the MCU. I think I'm, that's how I mean, we're going to keep it alive. Uh, another IMAX movie that I thought was great, that Celestial and IMAX was amazing. Looks gorgeous. Uh, the sound, it, I, went, I was in a Dolby sound. This thing sounded amazing. Like it's and look, I don't think you ever really need to see a movie in IMAX. I think you can see it however you want to see it. But if you're going to do it, if you are a fan of IMAX, what I will say is that you, you're on a timeline because there are so few of them. Yeah, stuff's rotating it, it, quickly. Yeah, you, if you wanted to see Dune and IMAX and he didn't go, you're done. 
Yeah. If you wanted to see Eternals and IMAX, you got to get there this weekend or next weekend before Ghostbusters is there. Correct. And then after that, it's and the Matrix and Spider-Man. And and yeah. So yeah. Get, you know. There's there those leaders are so few and far between, and then these movies are coming on top of each other. So these big tin poles are coming on top of each other so fast that yeah, it's get in there fast and hopefully you catch it. Yes. Uh, and that is our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening and coming by. You can, of course, leave us a review on your podcast app or comment about how you are enjoying The Eternals if you're on YouTube. And you can follow the show at Hollywood Already Did It, Hollywood ADI on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, as always, Blake Terrence at Terrence Tatum. And we will see you in two weeks for Ghostbusters. Later.